This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're woo 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 Welcome to the Woo Woo Bus. I'm Kiralee. I'm Lynette. I'm usually a bit more bubbly than this, but it's kind of wild times on earth at the moment. This is your deep dive into spirit and soul awakening and just mystical shit. And there is a lot going on right now. And we are here to support you through it. This week, we both come to you from a very safe distance where we're doing our bit to stay home, flatten the curve, care for our friends, our families, our neighbours, our vulnerable people in our community. It's been tough. It's been tough times, hasn't it? I wish I could just storm in here and be like, hi, guys. But no, but I can't. How are you doing, Elle? Oh, look, I'm okay. And then I just have my moments where I just cry. Like there's been a lot of times where I've just let myself cry. I mean, I sent you those photos yesterday of my sons that had booby-trapped my entire house. Completely booby-trapped your entire house. (laughs) And did I reply, are the prisoners in charge of the prison now? Is that (laughs) the inmates in charge of the prison? (laughs) We lost control. But, you know, they just got sort of bored and they grabbed this wall and they decided that they were going to make laser beams throughout the house that all day they were going to walk through and have to get through, which was kind of fun for them. But I just found myself going, oh, can't get anywhere. And I did have this moment where I was like, I didn't think this quarantining isolation situation could get any harder. And it just did because I couldn't get to my coffee and I couldn't get to my shower and all of those kinds of things. But then there's still joy in moments like that. You know, I still find the funny moment in that thank goodness at the moment my serotonin is still high enough to get there but I do have other moments where I just drop into this vast space and I I have to really ride those times out at the moment I think that's the biggest self-care I'm currently doing for myself Mm. is just letting myself feel it so you're right some days I've been feeling really joyful and I feel like there's possibility and there's something about the potential of change that or there's just small moments where all of a sudden everything seems fine and I'm just letting myself feel them. And then other moments I'm like, this is not okay. And it's never going to be okay. And this is just bad, bad, bad. And I'm just letting myself feel those moments too. I'm trying not to do anything other than just be present in the moment. I think that's so much of what this is for us is having to be present in the moment. And it's it's massive. It's massive massive for us, I think, as humans, because there are many things happening at once. And that's what I've worked out this week is that we're experiencing so many different things at once. And if you sit in one thing, you might be able to understand it and process it. But then when you put it next to something else, Mm. it's not necessarily making sense. And then if you go forward six months, it might start to spiral into another big question. And then, so I think this is why it's so important that we have this group therapy. Let's call this a group therapy episode because it's a little bit more than just trying to explain something. I think we are processing something. I think that's why it's so big. I'm also reaching for so much chocolate. I have a medicinal chocolate box. Like Harry Potter? Like Madame Pomfrey in the Harry Potter series, chocolate fixes anything. But it is medicinal, right? It does raise your serotonin a little bit. So if I feel that serotonin too low, I do have a little bit of chocolate and that's really getting me through. I'm definitely eating my feelings. I've been cooking a lot. I've been cooking and eating my feelings and it's been delicious. And I really uh, feel good about that as a coping mechanism. I'm feeling fine about that. (laughs) We love hearing your coping mechanisms. Please put it in a review. (laughs) Let us know. (laughs) Tell us how you're coping. Mm. I keep thinking about it as a slow motion explosion Mm. and we're all in the blast radius Mm, and it's going to affect us all differently on every level, psychologically and financially and energetically and in terms of our health bodily. 
And we're still in the explosion. The shrapnel is still going out in every direction, right? It hasn't, it's not over yet. We're still in it. So it's so hard to know where it's going. Yeah. And that's why when we talked about getting together and having this episode in this next conversation, why this episode I think is so important because we are trying to navigate the veils being lifted, but then there's a whole thing that comes after that that we're starting to go into, I think, on some level. And spiritual people, if you've been out there for a while, will go, oh, this is something I understand a little bit. Yeah. So there is a bit of a map through this, which I think will be interesting to talk about. But you're right, at the moment there's just a lot of shock happening. Yeah, shock and, and as humans, we get, we're really good at getting used to things. So I think we're in a lot of shock, but already, you know, you're in week three of quarantine. So already you're kind of like, oh, well, this is what my life is now. Yeah. And then that feels weird as well because you're like, this isn't what my life is. <laughs> this has never been what my life is. Yeah. Okay. So this is why I know and why I said to you, I think, yes, let's do this because I think we're in a massive collective spiritual experience. And within that, we're going through a personal yeah. spiritual experience. I don't think this is just physical. I don't think it's just psychological. I actually think it's spiritual. Absolutely. And we are meeting ourselves for the first time in a long time because all those distractions that you used to have, a lot of them have been taken away now. We're meeting each other because we all used to leave the house and be gone from each other eight hours a day and then we'd like do dinner and bed together and now we're just all in the house together all of the time. It's like we're meeting ourselves and we're meeting each other for the first time in a long time and that is a spiritual experience and we are in transition and transition is really uncomfortable and I don't like it and I want it to stop now, please. And if you pull the lens back and a year ago we had have said now, this is what's going to happen. The economy is going to stop. Everyone's going to have to go home, in inverted commas, wherever that base for you might be. We're going to have a major health crisis and um, we can't tell you what this is going to look like and when it's going to end. And, by the way, here's regulations around when you can go and get your food, when you can exercise. You can get fined for leaving the house. It would have been unfathomable. Yeah. Even a month ago if you had have told yeah. me this, I would have been like, mm. what, lady, mm. you're crazy. Mm. So what is going on? And this is what we've been discussing <laughs> and we thought we'll just include you in our discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about spiritual transitions. We're talking about the dark night of the soul is, is one way of describing mm. it because we're all in transition individually, collectively. We're all going through this together. I read recently, although the numbers would be much higher now, I think it was before India went into lockdown that 1.7 billion people on earth were in lockdown. And so we're all alone, but we're all together. Mm. And so from that, that shared experience, we want to talk about spiritual transitions, veils being lifted, and the dark night of the soul. The spiritual tunnels. So when we go through a spiritual tunnel, there were people who used to say that there was a, a veil between the earth world and the spirit world. And for some people, it's the earth world only. And for other yeah. people, they can see and feel a little bit of this other world. Yep. But what happens as we start to head into a tunnel where we lose control of the earth world is that many, many times it means we start to open up to the spiritual world and that veil becomes thin. And we start to realise, oh, hold on a minute, I can't just keep grabbing at the earth world and keep trying to make things work or seem logical in the earth world. I think I need to use something else to solve this. There's a really great quote from mm. Carolyn Meese about this where she talks about often when our lives are most out of control, mm. we become open to a higher source of information or a higher divine direction that otherwise we would be closed off to. And yet yes. then the, the real struggle comes in and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, we open up. And there are so many reasons that you can enter into this tunnel or where the veil becomes obvious. And in our history, you can see it, we've talked a bit about this in other episodes, where 
there have been times where movements and zeitgeists and frequencies and cultural transitions have happened. But on a personal level, we know that they start to move when maybe there's a hormone flux in somebody's life because when hormones pump really strongly, they also affect the energetic system. So the chakras start opening. You actually get changes in the physical body, sensitivity. So it can often be that we're maturing and the hormones start pumping and then suddenly someone will go, oh, my God, I can't do my life the way I used to be doing it or something happens. And Are we in we earth head... menopause? Is that what you're saying, that earth is perimenopausal at the moment? Well, I actually think maybe we're heading into our... It's more like head... adolescence maybe. Yeah, I think this is our Saturn Returns. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> This is like the karma. That is Saturn what it feels returns. like actually now that you mention it. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. So we're, we're about 28 and the hormones are <laughs> pumping and we've been having a good time. Yeah. Probably way too many psychedelics. But we've been making some poor decisions, <laughs> some really poor decisions, and now we have to account for them. Yeah, it's that, you know, when you're 28 and you go, yeah, I have not been saving any money. I have just mm. maxed out every credit card. Yeah, I've been sleeping with too many people who are not right for me. Because I haven't been using protection as much as I really should have, and now <laughs> yeah. there's some issues. Yes. Yeah. I yes. might need a place to live without <laughs> the flatmates moving out all the time. Yeah, that. It's that kind of hello, something big is happening here. Why do we call it a dark night of the soul? I like to think of it as the journey to enlightenment or your journey back to the light part of your soul. Mm. But the frequency that you have to go through to come into that is often true awareness of everything inside that has been resisting that light or potentially even being shadowing that light. And it's also a moment when you realise how disconnected you are from yourself and also the spiritual energy in that other aspect or that other dimension and that veil, you know, beyond the veil. So there is a darkness because there is some very, very, like what we were describing in the very start of this episode where you just sit and you just realise it's not the same as it was. I can't go back and just make it all better. Like there's nothing I can do. I yeah. I have to change, but I don't know what I'm going to become yet or I don't know how that's going to be okay. So the darkness is the tunnel between when the veil starts lifting and when the light starts filling you up, basically. We know in nature that it's d- night follows day. Nobody's surprised when it that's gets dark true. every night yeah. and when then the sun comes up the next morning, everyone's like, yep, that's as it should be. But often in our lives, individually and collectively, we expect it to all be daylight and we think the daylight is actually where the power is or like everything's going right when we're in the daylight. Yes. And so we really want to make the point as well that when we talk about a dark night of a soul, it's not an aberration, it's not a problem. It's not like the part of your life Mm. you need to skip over to get back to the light. It's really powerful and important and unpleasant often. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a better way of saying it. But it's really, it's also, it's powerful, potent energy that if you work through it and you step up to it and you accept it, can really change your life. Certainly changing the planet. Yeah, it's changing us all now. But I have a theory that... A lot of people who are really frightened of this work and this world, you know, they don't like talking about this stuff Mm. and they're happy to talk about mindfulness and psychology and, you know, all of those kinds of things that have very strong boundaries around them and they're not going to go into a spiritual realm that goes everywhere. God forbid, yes. Yeah. I have a theory that this is what they're most afraid of, that this feeling that there is a moment where someone cannot explain this away, although we do have maps, thank God, now, but the feeling that everything may not be solvable and containable is terrifying. And quantifiable. And quantifiable, yeah. Yeah. And so I have a feeling that so many people are like, oh, those woo-woo crazies and, you know, oh, my goodness, don't take it out there and too out there. It's because too out there, those veils being lifted and to actually consider we are spiritually evolving, not just, you know, sitting in our houses for no reason that there is something bigger going on here is just too scary to a fathom. And I think sometimes as well what we fear the most is what we want the most as well, but we don't know how to connect with it. And so actually what people want is deep spiritual connection, but it's not always easy or pleasant or fun. Like it can be very transitional and difficult 
and complicated. There's a quote I wanted to read about that, about for a seed to achieve its greatest expression, it must come completely undone. The shell cracks, its insides come out and everything changes. To someone who doesn't understand growth, it would look like complete destruction. And I feel like that is where we are right now. <laughs> we often say it in this, but and out. <laughs> that, yeah. And that's the episode. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Yeah. We commonly call this a dark night of the soul. It's pretty understood terminology, but where does it come from? So it was actually St. John of the Cross who wrote a book in the 16th century and the title was called The Dark Night of the Soul. Right, okay, nailed Yes, it. and he described his personal journey into this kind of connection with the divine force within him and around him, and he said that to do that he had to let go of tribal consciousness, he had to let go of collective understanding of the divine, and he had to swim in an ocean of unknowingness, and then he established his own consciousness and practice of connection. Now, this was massive at that time. People were yeah, like, "That'll get you burnt at the stake back then, right? You can't <laughs> connect with the universe by yourself and God by yourself. Yeah. So yeah. he really was like, no, no, no. It was really like this and it really happened. Now, what that did is it started to perpetuate people who studied theology and people who were mystics to go, oh, a lot of people are saying that before they became magnificently omnipresent and available to humanity, they went through this transition. Mm. And where I first heard about it was the divine Carolyn Meese, and thank goodness for her, because she wrote about this and was one of the first, I think, modern mystics to really say, hey, this is no longer just something that big mystical gurus, mm-hmm. in inverted commas, we don't love that word, but you know what I mean, go through anymore. We all go through it. I've noticed that this is starting to happen to a lot more people in this last 20 years. So yeah. she really gave permission for people to see that what they were going through wasn't just a psychological, you know, midlife crisis or a hard time. She actually said there's some things that start to differentiate that experience, which is a psychological hurdle maybe that can be wrapped up and put back together with a bit of an anxiety calming journey and this transition which is much, much, much deeper and it really creates the metamorphosis that we'd talked about before. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the energy and what happens to the Mm. energy in a dark night of the soul. So I have actually throughout my journey helped I would say hundreds of people through this and they're some of the toughest sessions I have to do. But what I've noticed over the years is that when you walk in and you're not in this, your lower chakras are all on and connecting you very stably into the earth on some level. So I can see you've got some management over your housing or where you live or your job or your relationships. Like everything kind of looks pretty ordered in the filing cabinet. Mm -hmm. But when somebody starts to head into this, the upper chakras, you know, the ones from the heart up, Mm -hmm. they go off like a rocket, like they're super big and the chakras at the bottom are super small, but everything's firing off like flashlights. Which is exactly what it feels like when you're in it as well. Like that makes so much sense that it's like everything's open and on, but it's all a bit much. And Yeah, you can't get control. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that you're less connected. It's like you're more connected, but it you can't hold the flow or something. It's just all, it's like the hose just being sprayed everywhere. You can't get control Mm. of it. And usually what happens when people come to see me, they'll go, I've had a major financial loss. I've lost the business that I spent 10 years cultivating. I've been, I've lost my partner through death or betrayal. Major confronting awakening, like a big family secret explosion really things that then start this process. Now, if it was a normal psychological hurdle, what happens is you would cope with that, maybe see a counsellor, psychologist work on it, see it as that problem, and everything else would stay the same. Your house would stay the same. Your job would stay the same. But what happens in this, and this is when somebody sits down and they go, and then two weeks later... Um, I, my boss walked in and then the business is folded. And then three weeks later, I found a lump in my breasts. And then it's this experience where every part of that person's structure 
starts to wobble and the scaffolding that they've been holding onto in the physical world just starts to disintegrate. And it's usually why they will find a spiritual teacher at that time because that spiritual teacher can go, it's okay, there is fortification that you can't see and that I can connect you to. But for a while, as you described, there is nothing to hold on to. There yep. is no way of calming the energy down. Feels and like you have to have experience in being able to say to someone, all right, let's just find you a place to stay and live and get comfortable right now. I don't know if that's going to be where you are in six months, but we've got yep. to get safe. We've got to get all the basic needs met as much as we can, and that's our priority. And then we can deal with this bigger spiritual popping off like fireworks, you know, and there's a whole plan to that. Which again feels like where we're at on earth at the moment. Everybody, like because the economies all around the world have just disappeared. So capitalism, piece of shit, breaks immediately if you drop it. There you go. We all are scrambling to get our base chakras. Like where do I live? How do I pay my bills? How am I going to eat? And and in some really desperate, desperate ways. We're in Australia. We're very lucky. We are incredibly privileged. There are people in Australia who are not, who are struggling, there are people all around the world who don't have any kind of safety net who are in those first chakras at the moment every minute of every day trying to sort this out. Survival is for some Mm. people in this where they have gone and for other people they've said to me, I feel so privileged that I've spent the last years of my life navigating some of this other stuff and at the moment I'm in a place of higher watch where I'm sending love and help to those people who are trying to get that sorted and I do think that that's one of the reasons there's so many similarities to what happens to us personally when we transcend into this journey that is happening actually collectively it's almost it's mind-blowing really to watch it on a collective level I never thought I would see it until I was an old old woman and I'm now in the midst of it watching it also equally saying but we've been talking about this for 20 years I just never really imagined what that would look like and things do bring me to my knees in this that are about what people are collectively going through that is wrong with capitalism like we we obviously need to change things because there are still people who are suffering so unnecessarily and that's highlighted in this I think in a way I hope that one of the things that comes out of this is that will never be allowed to happen again that nobody will ever be able to make the case the health system isn't that important and we shouldn't give it any money from mm. now on. Like, it's definitely my prayer. Let me be an optimist, please. <laughs> you might notice, and this might come down to when we talk about how you get through this and what makes it take longer, but not everybody is reacting to this the same. Yeah. And that's what's interesting because when it's just your journey or it's just my dark night of the soul and, like, thank God for Anatomy of the Spirit, the book that Carolyn Meese wrote, and she's actually written an initiation, a guide to the dark night of the soul. So she actually has written that book, everybody, if you're out there and think, oh, that's one I'd like to get hold of. But what those books do is they create a guide that you're not going mad because the mm. trouble is that this comes with a sense of, am I going mad? Because like, it's yeah. surreal, right? Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I think one of the things that was really difficult for me is I was quite young when I went through my dark night of the soul and everybody was raving and dancing as I had been until I hit that space. And then all of my peers were like, what are you talking about? This is the best time in our lives. And I was just sitting morosely going, no, I am crumbling. Every part of me is crumbling. And it was very, very hard. So there is a sense and they call it a process within this that you can feel like you're going spiritually mad, but you're not. And there's wonderful books now, as I was describing, that can help us get a handle on where the very, very mushy sides are to this and guide us through. Is it the same on an individual level as on a collective level? Micro, macro, or is it different? Ah, okay. So I've got a really interesting theory about this. So usually it starts with some signs, as I described in the personal level, where you just can't get hold of what you used to. There's no control. And that creates a feeling that you are going to go into a tossle with the universe because, of course, what's the first thing we try and do is we try and create control again. So often people will have been beating their heads against a wall quite a few times before they get to the point where they're like, this is worse than it's ever been or it's not working. And control has always been an illusion. It's a really pervasive illusion, but it's an illusion nonetheless. We are not in control. 
And on a society level, we've kind of been taught that if we buy enough stuff, or if you have a house, then you're safe. If you've got enough money, then you're safe. If you've got whatever it is, then you, the latest designer, da, 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 then you're safe. But actually, that's never been the case. And it has to be revealed at some point. Yeah, well, it is, isn't it? Because if you look at this, we are no longer in control. Something invisible, so to speak, is now, regardless of your race, where you live, how much money you have, in fact, if you've been flying all over the world and potentially socialising a lot outside of your local little borough, you may be more at risk having exposed yourself to more areas and people in the world. So, Number one, down. There you go. Yes, we have lost control of so much in our life, including our right to leave the house. And see each other. We don't even see each other anymore. All of those things. Right to just buy toilet paper and just have it on the shelves. That's been blowing my mind. I've always lived in a land of plenty. I've never gone to the supermarket and there hasn't been anything on the shelf. And I know that's not the case for the majority of humans. But now all of a sudden you go to the supermarket and it's like, Again, these things that were hidden, revealed, our Mm. food and products come from somewhere. They don't just magically appear in the store. Like, Oh, my goodness. So is the fact that we can't get out our own toilet paper in as much abundance as we would like the first sign that society went into a collective dark night of the soul? They collectively shit themselves, I think, is what happened. That is a little bit real. That much is clear. So that happens on a personal level, and, yes, it's happening on a collective level. The second stage is that we start to empty ourselves of delusion and we start to ask about how we can connect with things that are real or more authentic in our current new state. Mm. Now, that delusion phase, I think we're still in in the collective state because I was reading someone the other day and they work in a corporate world. So what they did was they went home with their computer and sent all their 300 employees home with their computer and everyone's logging on and they're all in their house and they're probably working more than they would in the office, which I thought was interesting. And halfway through the reading, I had to say, hey, you know that this is not over in another couple of weeks and you know that we're never going back to being quite the same as what we used to, don't you? Yeah. And there was just this silence on the phone and I was like, we don't really know what's coming out of this. So, and it was, we had to explore the option that some of the people who were currently logging on might get unwell enough that they can't log on or might lose somebody next to them that they can't then log on because they're in grief and going through that. And equally, at the end of this, does everyone just want to pick up their briefcase and go back to work? Because as in many countries, people are not hosting funerals, so people have to bury their dead. They will get married. They will have to have babies. They will need to reset their lives. And I wonder how available some of our old structures would be to that. And this person had to say to me, oh, do you really think that that could happen? I said, yeah. yeah yep, if yep. you think about the fact that we are predicting the potential, and may it not be so, but hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people passing, it means that they're all connected to somebody. Yeah, it means yep. that we are all going to be awakened through one of the most powerful spiritual initiations, which yep. is death or losing control of our health of our finances yeah we are going to have to let go of the delusion that we're just gonna snap this back like lego and go back like lego figures into the world and pretend it never happened you can never really go back i Mm. have been calling it the olden days so the olden Mm. days ended about three (laughs) weeks ago for me in Australia. And I'm like, remember the olden days three weeks ago when everything was fine and we are in a brave new world things have changed so drastically that you can't, even though the transition is still happening for me as well, maybe a week mm-hmm. ago I thought we'd go back to where we were, but now I'm coming to understand, yeah, that nope, that's not, we can't go back. We can't go back from this. It's too massive. We can only go forward. I don't want to make it sound like a negative because it's not. We can only go forward into the brave new world. You are 100% mm. right, Kirley. This is the great thing about the Duck Nova Solemn. Put this on your fridge, people. Even when <laughs> it looks like it's falling apart, it's actually being moved into place. Okay, exactly. so that is the fridge sticker for the Dark Knight of the Soul. Thank you, Alanya Van Zandt. We love you. Oh, we love you. I nearly got that tattooed on my body during my Dark Knight of the Soul. Luckily, I didn't. It wouldn't have been cool. It's not too late. It's not too late to get it done during our collective <laughs> Dark Knight of the Soul, Elle. 
No, it's all good. Yeah, I've got another chance. Great. Except I can't get to the tattoo parlour. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. It is too late. You can't do it. Too bad. That could be a real mess if I tried to do that myself. Uh, Okay, so in the second stage of the Dark Night of the Soul, something that also can happen, though, is we descend into the seven stages of grieving. So we just take a little off-road there and you can get stuck in shock and denial pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, because, of course, you're like, no, we must be able to get back together. No, I must be able to get my stocks and shares back. No. No, this isn't really happening. What if I just don't even listen to the news and then maybe it's not even happening? Maybe I can believe it'll all be over in a week or two. I think I did all seven stages yesterday (laughs) and at least three to five the day before. If you look at this from the collective right because on a personal level and I do want to acknowledge that there are people going through both of these at once and I'm teaching some of them so bless you out there they're going through their own personal arc and they're going mm. through the collective arc and it's yeah. very challenging I want to acknowledge that I have the deepest respect for it and we're going to get there it's okay but the collective experience is so strong that it's propelling us into some of this ourselves and so you just got to watch is this mine or is this everybody else's but I equally yesterday went through it I have a COVID crush and he's it's the governor (laughs) of New York hashtag yeah hashtag uh, Andrew Cuomo and he is he's my COVID crush saw him one night late at night on CNN and he just every time I watch him he's a man that just tells it like it is and then says come on we've got to do what we can to save every life but equally his brother is now sick and he's a reporter and so he's been sending out stuff from his basement about what he's going through and whenever I watch the United States or the UK or places that are Italy that are really hit hard I go through all seven stages of that grieving process as well. So the seven stages of grieving are big and we have to try and get ourselves out of them because then the next step we have to do is we have to step back and reflect and connect into authenticity. And that is equally big if we haven't done that before. So this is often where we realise all the things that were missing or weren't working or that we weren't happy with. And I think in some ways we have been dipping in and out of that as we spend time in solitude or isolation or we're changing the way we're working. We're like, oh, maybe I wasn't spending enough time with my kids or maybe I thought I needed more money than I did because actually, as I said, it's complicated because it's like thousands of planes in the airways thousands of planes everyone's in different places and we have to try and honor the individual and the collective at once yeah and especially with the seven stages of grief just to note that they're not a linear progression you don't tick one off and then move to the next one and tick it off there you go through them you cycle through them they can happen concurrently or separately it's not you and you don't have to like move on through them the idea is that you will move through them but you do it at your own pace you don't, there's no timeline on this. No. And so they come back too. So you might be heading towards trying to connect to something authentically and saying, well, you know, I lost this job or my business had to go into hibernation or whatever. And now what is it I really want to do next? Or how can I move with the new flow of the world? And if you're like some people I've spoken to, they're like, but I don't want to be online. I don't want to. I love, and you know, they're grieving again. They're back through all of that other stuff. And then, and if Eventually what happens is we have a shift in priorities and values and we recommit to a new journey. We recommit to trying new things. But something happens in there and that is that usually there has to be a devotion and a commitment before that influential vision comes forward where we commit and connect to some kind of inner landscape, some kind of inner space there's a void usually so it goes on for longer than we mentally think we'd be able to stand you know what I mean like you might go oh I could do this for four weeks but then when they say 90 days you're like like, yeah or oh we've got enough food and then we it does show you how strong you are and how resourceful mm. you are and how resilient you are, a dark night mm. of the soul. It's a bit like walking through the fire, right? You walk out the other side and you're the phoenix. 
Yeah, well, then there's the transition. The last stage is the transition of the inner world that connects you to the higher realm of spiritual connection, and then it transforms the outer world. So there's a new creation. There's some kind of healing. There's a shift, and absolutely, it is the phoenix rising from the ashes, and you raise an interesting point that I heard Carol and me say once, and she said that the U.S. is the third chakra of our uh, world and that they're all based in third chakra values. So the whole constitution is based on third chakra values. And when I was watching her speak... So that's very ego, isn't it? It's very individual. Well, it's honour and power, honour of the self. So that's why First Amendment, that's why people bear the right to have, have arms. And, you know, this journey, anyone who's been through a psychedelic journey or ayahuasca or taken a bad trip will probably know that you're holding on to some level of the sides at some point and then all of a sudden it just all gets mushy. There's no sides. There's no time. There's no space. Only way out is through. That was the best piece of advice I was given before I did my first ayahuasca ceremony. The only way out is through. And I've spent hours in dark rooms repeating that to myself. (laughs) Only way out is through. Well, Kiralee, and people, for those who haven't taken taken any of those journeys but have given birth it's yeah, very okay. very similar Same and thing. I often show a natural birth video at this point in my course mm-hmm. to say to people I just want you to watch what it takes to bring this magnificent miracle mm. into the earth because there is a space of time there are transitions you know you might hear someone say I can't do this I need yeah. out there's bargaining. And there's a point where it's reasonably passive and something mm-hmm. bigger is moving and there's a point where it's really active and you've got to get into mm-hmm. it and it's your turn to drive. And then there's a point it takes over. I feel like all birth is a really great <laughs> analogy for this. Yeah. And an incredible result and a brand new mm. world at the end of it. Bingo. And that's why if you've been through any of those, this is probably going to help you translate what we're talking about today in your own personal journey. But then if we take that and put that over the collective, that's big, right? So there's four stages to the dark night of the soul, especially when we go through it on an individual level. Is it the same on a collective level? Okay, so here's where I think it's interesting. To enter in the personal journey, at some point you have to let go of the collective energy, the collective mind or the belief that the collective can look after you and save you. And you have to come back into a personal energy and find the resolve inside you to keep going or to find the connection with the higher force or to move out of the journey that you're in. Yeah, yep, yep. Go outside of yourself, right? Yeah. That's right. But in the collective journey, and you heard it here first, folks, this is just a total channel. I don't know if this is accurate or anyone else thinks this, but I've been thinking, oh, my goodness, we have to let go of the individual concept that I know what I'm doing and move towards a more global mind to make it through the dark night of the soul on a collective level. Which we have to do any way to get through climate change. Like our future is shared. It It always was. We were just in denial about it. And now it's really being shown to us. It makes sense that that's where we need to go. But I feel like that so much. What's getting me in this is interesting because I do. I have people who are really connected to the environment, which I also am. But what's really happened for me in this is all the financial structure and the rights of human beings everywhere. Mm. And I feel so connected to that at the moment. So I know that there's all this stuff on the TV about, you know, all these wonderful packages financially that are going out to people and I watch it daily. But you know what? If you sit in a room and you're listening to people who are living it in real life, there are large groups of freelancers who are not included in this. Yes. Travellers. There are mums with three kids who can't get through because the hotline is busy. Then they're supposed to be interviewed by somebody. That's not going to take weeks. Then they can't get the superannuation because they've got to get an accountant who is also now three weeks backed up. The disability pension isn't included. Disabled people aren't being supported here. The mark of any way through this, I think, as a collective is going to be to secure the rights of our most vulnerable and those that have always missed out in this. And I have been feeling it so viscerally and weeping because I know someone hasn't got $150 to feed their family this week. And yet the government's standing on the TV taking all the praise, but 
if you're watching that and thinking that it's okay. And giving $700 billion to the airlines. Yes, like in, in America, $500 billion went to the big guys. And yet yeah. this, uh, and it, why can't we build our society from the bottom up? Like Canada's trying to do and other Scandinavian countries. I kind of want to go out and march in the streets here, even though we're so not allowed to. <laughs> not, well, isn't that interesting? But I feel like this would be the time to march in the streets <laughs> to demand universal basic income. Like if that's the other thing. Can, can mm. we come out of this with a healthcare system that is prioritised and universal basic income? Please, Lord, please. It's my prayer. Are we bargaining? At which stage of grief are we in right now? I don't know. <laughs> but, but what I think is interesting in this, right, is that if we make it all about the virus only... And we don't make it about what is meant to break down in the capitalist structures, and you'll be so happy to hear that, but the structures that we've been operating in financially and on a social level, if we only make it about this virus, I think we're missing the point. Absolutely. The point is that during this virus, even though it may affect our bodies and someone next to us, when we rebuild this, we have to work out how we do not inhibit the rights of people just because we've taken them away for six months where they had to go into their house or whatever. We also have to look at the fact that how can we have a more universal version of income and not just go back to rebuilding the old economy? There are some leaders who look like during this process they are more invested in that and then there are others who aren't. When you look at the journey of your personal dark night of the soul, there's a, there's a few things that can make it take longer. So if you get to the bargaining section or the denial section and you go into avoidance or self-harm or you leave the journey of kind of connecting to yourself or processing it, it takes a long time and you go through another blow, as you would know, Mm -hmm. and as many recovery addicts would know. But if you can stay on that journey of self-love and self-care and build the foundation slowly and surely from the bottom up, magic things happen, almost like a divine recorrection. I think that that's the same for us as a collective. If we can on some level honour humanity in this and honour each other... build our base like you would in recovery. Let's think of ourselves in a one big 12-step group process. The whole planet is recovering right now, yes. Yep. Basically, I think we could get there. Yeah. But that, I mean, we're talking big stuff here. Big stuff. So I guess the really juicy question here and and what I'm really excited about is the question, what is the way through it? And maybe collectively this is all really brand new. We're still figuring that shit out. But on an individual level, many of us have experience of this on an individual level. What is the way through a dark night of the soul? Well, I think that society does get a pretty good report card of this at the moment because people are, in general, trying, I think, to care for each other and show signs of collective consciousness and connection. So the rainbows and the teddy bears and even our doctors and nurses like praying and oming before shifts and yogaing and why are these things so important? Not because they're just woo-woo out there stuff, but they actually connect people to their inner frequency that actually build that strength between those two worlds. So when you want to get through a dark night of the soul, just letting go of the spiritual world is very, very, very much the long way around. You have to walk towards it. Because you've got to acknowledge it's a spiritual challenge, don't you? you? That it's not just Mm. a material thing Mm. going on. It is deeper and bigger and more expansive than that. And equally, you can see that in the recovery journey. When you enter a 12-step program, there is a point, and it's where a lot of people get challenged, is that you have to hand the problem or the addiction over to something higher than yourself. Yeah. And once you Give do that, but if you speak to anyone who's made it through that journey, they will say, bingo, yep. that was the moment things turned it. around. So it's the same with the dark night of the soul. It has to be acknowledged that there's a spiritual process going on. And then yep. it's all the things that nourish that spiritual connection. So funnily enough, it is time of 
somewhat subdued isolation. It's reflection. Yep, reading, watching things that nurture and nourish your soul, going back through and throwing out what you don't need and that could be metaphorically as well as physically. It can be reorganising things. It can be making amends and reconnecting and working out with people, you know, where things have been and what happened and maybe that's with yourself first and then others. Yep. I like to be inspired as well by other people who have made it through, specifically women. So I reach out to biographies of women who have like done amazing things despite challenges. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is always available (laughs) to you. Seasons one through seven. Stands the test of time. That whole show is about going through a dark night of the soul um, and coming out the other side as a collective. It goes from the individual to the collective experience. So that's my solution to this whole situation and we also created a podcast called the Wimmerverse podcast yes with a lot of tools and we talked about this so where we said yep from the beginning we want to give people the way through that journey so you can start again and go through that because it got the way through is through you yeah. It's through getting in touch with yourself and communing with yourself. It's one of the things I always like about the yoga practice. It's like this cosmic joke that it look, you lay out your mat for one, so it looks like you're only doing it for yourself. You go inside yourself, but actually by going inside yourself, you go up and you connect with that, which is higher, and you go out and you connect with community and society. It, it's The doorway may just be in the shape of you, but it opens up into a whole big world. I think that's why I cried so much when I watched those doctors oming in Barcelona because it wasn't just about them. If they can do that and they're sending that frequency out, then we're all receiving that frequency and their patience and and even the over coming of this situation to be done with that energy is majorly majorly beautiful so the other thing is things like calling back and sitting on a mat and calling in the help you need the spiritual power that you need in your life and body to Mm -hmm. make your way through a fear or the bargaining or whatever so asking for help where you are and a lot of people have problem with the word prayer but we see it as not handing over your power but it's that actual conscious energy connection with the divine to be present to help you that energy world to come close saying it out loud Mm. i'm having a shit time i don't think i can get through this Mm. if you never say that out loud if you just keep that inside of you it becomes so big if you can get to a place where you can say it out loud to whatever it is that you think is bigger than you it's such a weight off the shoulders it's such a relief to name these things. It takes their power away. Alenia Venzant, another one of my teachers through the Dark Night of the Soul, she says, I've got two prayers, help me and help me now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's as simple as they can be, people. Oh so, my God, I'm so good. The big question there is how activated do I feel at acting on the guidance I receive and then breaking down and working through anything that's stopping you from feeling that you could open to things changing or being yeah. loved or being loving or being positive again. And for some people, you know, when the world's going crazy in their world or everything, I've had to talk to people about this before, is like, are you getting a little bit complacent in the fact that it's all crappy and it kind of feels safe being crappy? Mm. Like is some of this that you're not really excited about living in a life or a world that feels good? And that's another big question as we make our way through this, that can we handle a world full of so much joy yeah. on a personal collective level. Yeah, yep, yep. We love drama, right? So <laughs> I've been reading, I've been hearing a lot and from friends and reading as well, friends and people who really suffer with anxiety mm. and have done for years and years and years mm. and maybe have sought treatment and, and really suffered from crippling anxiety who feel quite great right now. Not great, maybe that's an exaggeration, but don't feel extra anxious right now. Feel quite calm in a way because they were always waiting for the other shoe to drop. They were always ready for the worst case scenario. And now it's here. They're like, yeah, okay, no, that feels about right. And I'm ready for Welcome. This This is how it... (laughs) Yeah, the whole world has stepped up to meet me all of a sudden. Like, I'm not the odd one out here. All of a sudden, everybody's in this boat. Welcome. There's room for all of us. I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. So being told to go and be at home, and it is a privilege to have a home to go to and even to have water to wash my hands in and all of those things. But to be isolated is actually quite safe for me. You're quite relieved, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And my world is very small and... I can make it quite simple and I've heard so many very sensitive spiritual people say that, wow, this is, I've been kind of pray for this, you know, 
but we equally acknowledge the amount of suffering that has come yes. with this and that's we're all in it together but we're not yeah. all going through it the same way no. even day to day i never understood the bible verse the meek shall inherit the earth i think it just happened i think all <laughs> the yeah the introverts and the people who don't want to really leave home again all of a sudden we just met up stepped up and met them yeah. we're in their world now so <laughs> yeah. it's awesome and I think some of the ways through this on a collective level, the questions are slightly different. We have to look at how we're connecting or contributing to the global oneness. Yes. Like yes. have what we've been doing every day helping? just yeah. been looking after our company and our person and not really having a bigger vision of how it's been impacting environment or social structures or economy. We also have to look at how we're honouring each other in that, the relationship yep. section, how we're honouring ourselves. Like, are we doing ourselves a service by working 14-hour day and not seeing our family and all yep. of those kinds of things? How are we connecting and blocking love? So that's very similar. And how much honour are we giving that divine force, the other force behind our eyes? Yep. Can we let this be a spiritual experience? Mm. Are we just going to get trapped in watching the news and watching mm-hmm. the numbers and getting stressed out about the material side of this, or can we allow this to be a collective spiritual experience? The revolution will be spiritual. Is this the beginning of it? I've been saying that for a while, but I do wonder if we can get out of some of the loops. And we do talk about this a bit, but it is about trying to see the bigger picture in this and hearing all these different news reports and then coming back and saying, I don't really want to subscribe to fear. I I heard someone the other day saying it is really important that even though you are in your house that you don't lose the belief and power that you have the right to leave your house and that you have the right to say no to certain laws and certain things happening. Uh, Did you see that there were police in, I think it was in the UK, who were going around into little shops and saying, you know, Easter eggs are not emergency foods like essential Says items you and then, police person <laughs> i would fight that in court thank you very much chocolate is medicinal yeah. we just said that but also, but also making a lagoon black that everybody in a certain space loved so dearly so that they wouldn't yeah. go out and take the photos it's bananas i heard it? someone very early say who was connected to human rights And he said, "Mm, just want to put my hand up and say we need to be very mindful that, yes, we're all happy to do the right thing and we're all happy to try and help humanity, but we have to look at this and we really have to be careful about giving a lot of power and a lot of energy that takes our humanness and our human power and right individually and collectively away. And I don't know about you, but I feel very strongly about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And much love to all of our friends in Hungary, which has become a dictatorship overnight. And there is now a dictatorship in the EU, which again, a month ago, if you had have been like, there's going to be a dictatorship in the EU, the world will fall apart. You'd be like, nah, 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 that's not going to happen. And here we are. And welcome to the big issue with the dark night of the soul, probably collectively. And it happens on a personal level. When I went through my dark night of the soul, I had to confront my family about something that had happened to me that people didn't know about. And it wasn't easy. There was a lot of backlash and people didn't want to hear the truth. And it took a while to adjust, which is understandable, but it wasn't pretty. Now, if we take that to a collective level, there are people at the moment who are like, hey, don't criticize our politicians. And hey, you know, to me, they've almost got trauma. Bonding. Mm, Stockholm syndrome. Like, yeah, don't yeah. freak out the person who's going to, yeah, like who's yeah. going to guide us through this, hey? And I look at it and go, yes, I really understand. But if we do not stand as strong and powerful citizens in this, knowing we have power, then it could end up exactly like you described, where laws and bills and all sorts of things happen. And then it's very hard to reverse after this. So I just encourage everyone to hold personal power during this time as well through the collective dark night of the soul. Amen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. May we all come out of this more powerful, not less powerful, but more powerful, Mm. which raises the question, what is on the other side of a dark night of the soul? Besides like a brave new world and sunshine and puppy dogs and rainbows and fairies. I was thinking about this because I, I mean, it's very hard to talk about this if you've been 
through it and not reflect on your own personal journey. I think everyone out there will be remembering if they've been through something like this and thinking, you know, whether it was cancer treatment or whether it was mm. leaving a, a marriage that was very, very traumatic or whether it was losing a loved one or or coming to terms with some kind of violation or abuse or massive loss of a company or a job or whatever. It's very hard not to remember that very big moment where you realize you you're coming out of it or you're coming through it and for me what happened was the way I described it was there were just calmer nicer safer days and there was no external reason for it the sun suddenly just felt great the food started to taste good again but you know what you could have said you've just won a million dollars and I'd go oh because what had happened on the inside was I fell in love with myself. I fell in love with living. I fell in love with the universe and everything spiritual, like to the point it used to make me weep and still does. And I went, that's all I want to do. Whatever I do has to have that in it. It's my favourite energy on the planet and going towards that just kept bringing me joy. And I I wonder if it's going to be a little bit more complicated collectively, but I hope everyone can go through that on a personal level and all the things we've realised we've been taking for granted, like nature and connection and, you know, beautiful weddings and and mm. of heartfelt nurturing each other or, um, you know, birth even with, all the, with your husband or your partner there or whatever, that we savour those things. I think a dark night of the soul is a little bit like love. It's kind of how you described it is you know when you're in it. Nobody can tell you when you're in it. You will just know when you're in it. It is very internal and you'll know when you're out of it as well. Again, nobody mm. can really tell you that you're out of it, but you'll know You'll know. You'll know when you're in it. You'll know when you come out the other side of it. And it's really hard. Who you are going in cannot imagine what the future is going to look like because you're seeing the world from the you before the dark night of the soul. And then you in the dark night of the soul can't really imagine what the world's going to look like because, again, you're in it. It's you that's come out of it that all of a sudden has – it's like you've got 20-20 vision or something. It's like you can see. You can see and there's these new possibilities that weren't there in the olden days, but they're there now. And I had, and still do, have the deepest love for the people who were my people during that time. Yeah, yeah. My partner said to me, what was the greatest thing that somebody did for you in the dark night of the soul? And I said, uh, they sat with me. Mm-hmm. They just let me cry. Yeah. They also prayed with me or prayed yeah. for me because there was nothing else they could do. They'd all they tried to help every other way, but the pain yeah. just needed to be acknowledged, I think, and yeah. it moved yeah. through me and the tears cleansed and then the rainbow came out. But really they did very simple things, like it was food, it was all the basic things and even acknowledging I remember there was one day a friend tried to cheer me up. It's the most funny thing that she said, what do you want? And then she said, choose something so simple, please, because it's complicated. And I said, one of those chocolate fudge brownie things that they've got at McDonald's at the moment. And she was like, okay, I think we can do it. We get in the car. (laughs) We can make this happen. She takes me to McDonald's and she goes, one of those chocolate fudge brownie things, Banks, with the big ice cream on top. Yep, chocolate fudge brownie, big ice cream on top. That's what she wants. Give it to us. And the guy goes, I'm so sorry. We've run out of the chocolate fudge brownie cakes. And we both, she just went, she literally put her hand on me and she went, I'm sorry, this will go for as long as it needs to and I'll be here with you. <laughs> and she said, there's nothing you can do. You just have to yeah, let go of wanting. Yep. And it was the let go of wanting and then I just was. It was bizarre. The garden grows back. I think that's one of the best things people have been doing for me at the moment and that I hope that I've been doing for other people uh, is just in Australia when you say hello to somebody, you go, hey, how are you? Mm. And you're not really meant to give an answer to that question. It's just built in. That's like actually just how you say hello. Good. How are you? And the, the best thing we're doing for each other at the moment is we're going, hi, how are you? Yeah. Give me a real answer and I'll give you a real answer. Like let's, let's be here and be real and make space for each other. And I think, that's, I think that's how we get through this together, by making space for each other. 
And chocolate and memes. And chocolate and a margarita <laughs> every now and then. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But it is the little things. Like I play the OMS, the 432 hertz yeah. in my house. It helps my vibration. Baths. I found baths during the dark night of the soul. It's the simple things. Essential oil diffuser has just been cranking <laughs> 24 hours a day. I swear to God I'm going to run it to the ground. I can't help but hear you and your essential oils and not think of any of those memes between essential oils and the coronavirus. I literally see you out there, one woman against coronavirus with with oil. It's going to be fine, people. It's going to be fine. (laughs) But, yeah, I think as a collective we have to think about those things that have already been heartening us and they are things like the rainbows in the window that uh, send out that collective sign that this is going to end, which is theologically very interesting. It's the teddy bears for the kids so they can do the teddy bear hunt. It is the clapping for all our helpers and garbage workers and cleaners and food suppliers, everyone keeping society going at the moment. We used to ignore and now we've realised that they are the most important people we have the superheroes see and this is what happens in a dark night of the soul we become awakened we realize the delusions and hopefully we never change that and our teachers get paid accordingly did you see that great meme i sent that to you (laughs) was it the the ava duverney one that was like i've just been homeschooling a nine-year-old and an 11 year old for three hours and teachers should be paid a billion dollars a year or a week, whatever. <laughs> yes, there's that one. And there's also this wonderful one of this microbiologist who's working oh, yeah. currently on the vaccine for corona. And she's like, why don't you go and ask one of the $7 billion guys that you've been paying all this money to because her wage is so disproportionate yeah. and the football players who get a million dollars a week they don't know how to cure this yeah. they don't know how to kick a ball and look pretty yeah so it, it is interesting it challenges everything but I think we've got to look at all the things that we're doing the other thing that's interesting is to get through this it's gathering dancing singing yeah. meditating taking collective breaths mm-hmm. really I know there's lots of people out there doing group therapy chats and connecting in. What I don't think helps is imagining that everyone is having your experience. So, you know, when people are sitting in million-dollar mansions and trying to help people get through it, I think that is challenging for some people. Yeah, Yeah, it pushes my buttons when I see famous people going, we're all in this together in their giant mansion. I'm like, nah. Nah. We were never in it together. And now we're really being shown that we're not in it together. Madonna in your bath. I am looking yeah. at you. What I think is what we need those people to do with a lot of influence and a lot of power and a lot of money, they need to be fighting for the people who are going to lose their homes. And the yeah. eviction, you know, even though it's been announced on the TV that we're not going to be evicted, well, that could take two months. So a yeah, lot of people so are going to be evicted. So we need those people to really stand up for the voiceless right now thanks for the songs and the funny things they're all great but what we really need is those people to become the revolutionaries and once you get the revolutionaries I think we're going to find our next vision because we've talked about this but it's hard to imagine a society what comes next beyond this and we need people our our filmmakers and our musicians and our artists and our revolutionaries we need them to come and start showing us what that is going to look and feel like you're right. We need to find the people who are, who are going to help lead us through this and the visions that we can connect with and follow and build together. It's a mass level, right? It's the revolutionaries in education. The it's the revolutionaries in the medical system. It's the revolutionaries yeah. in the financial sector, the ecological sector. The bio- It makes my mind blow that mm. these amazing people who've been outstanding silently in their field might be sitting at home and going, I could solve that. The time. We need yeah. to hear from you and hopefully they're going to be given the platform. And all those who are not coming at this with their best, most truthful humanitarian intention, may they be exposed for that yes. because that's yes. something that I just want to jump up and down with in my living room is that I can tell that there is a lot of politics going on in some places and it's not helping. This is taking the dark night of the soul the long way around. We are the ones we have been waiting for and may we stand in our power and find our power. Mm, We're the music makers. Yes, and come through this in our power. Look, let's talk about what the world needs now. This is a segment that we do at the end of every episode Mm. and I think it's more important than ever, more potent than ever. What do you got? Well, chocolate. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> hey, it can be sugar-free. Go simple or go home, I say. Like mm. proven, effective. I'm. You know what? It's usually a thing, but mine this time is a process. I, I want to say yes to tears, happy mm. tears, yes. sad tears, kind of confused and irritated tears, anguished yeah. tears, tears from every part of your body, mind, spirit and soul. Just let the tears come. Because when I went through this journey and even as I go through it with all of you now and and obviously it changes and transforms me too individually, the tears, I, I sort of resist a little bit as they come and then I've just decided to sit and let them come and, man, I feel so much better after them. Yeah. Yep. Support you. Mm. Support you. <sighs> Yep. Um, <laughs> mine is something that just has been making me laugh and I'll take the tears of laughter wherever mm-hmm. I can get them. It's a guy, he's an Australian guy. I assume he's in Melbourne, but I don't know for sure. His name is Nat's What I Reckon. Right. And I follow him on Instagram and he's a metal dude. So he's got like the long hair and the piercings and he's a bit cute. And he does a cooking <laughs> show and Cute's there's so okay. much, yeah. so much swearing in it, just so much swearing in it. But it's all about making cooking really accessible because we're all stuck at home and maybe we don't know how to make a pasta sauce. So we've been buying the stuff in the jar, but it's like really easy to make yourself if you just know how. And he's hilarious and super Oz and really funny and just has the right kind of vibe for me right now. So go find him on Instagram. That's what I reckon. And um, have, a, have a laugh and then eat your feelings alongside me. And then play a song that allows you to cry because that yes, <laughs> it's complete yes. and you've touched and you've seen the matrix at that point point. and it is all happening at once like we've got the tiger king out on netflix which is crazy <laughs> oh and we Lord. recently finished the righteous gemstones which was really amazing and interesting okay. and pretty full-on but wow that is something that i think really helps to wake you up when you realize that not everyone is coming at this from the same place and people are all, have all been travelling along these massive continuums and it's going to take us a bit, I think, to all get to where we want to go. But, yeah, I think gathering all the tribes somehow as much as you yeah. can, call your people in and sort of yeah. say, yeah. check in on your strong friends and on the, on the people that, you know, who you know might be doing it tough, I think. Yeah. We're going through this on an individual level, it's one thing, but when you're going through it on a collective level, you've got to try and reach out and touch yeah. someone in a positive, appropriate way. From a metre and a half distance. The only way out is through and the only way through is together. Thank you so much for being with us together uh, and listening to this episode. We love our Woo Woo crew. We We're do. so humbled to be walking through all of this beside you. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and we've also got a website, wooverse.com. Look, if you're stuck at home and you've really got nothing else to do because you're not homeschooling your kids or because you're sick of homeschooling your kids, go to iTunes and leave us a review. We'd be so grateful. And tell us how you're coping in the review. Give us five stars and then tell us all about um, your coping mechanisms. And we look forward to connecting with you next time. Lynette, support you. Support you. Goodness knows where we'll oh, be next time, right? Oh, my gosh. It, will Ooh. there be a next time? Let's just... Of course there will. Paradigm shift. Take a deep breath and see. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Woo-Verse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.